so glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. To be able to come into his temple, to lift up his name, to give him praise, to thank him for his goodness. And I hope you have the same attitude today. Hallelujah. You know, worship is individual. Uh, my worship can help you worship, but really when it comes down to it, it's, it's, it's an individual thing. Amen. We're going to look uh, at part two of our series on uh, praise and worship, amen, and we're going to be looking at thankfulness, thankful, being thankful in our praise and worship, and also um, the fact that it is a weapon. Our praise and our worship is a weapon, amen. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 says in everything, oh, that's so hard, everything, wow. When last did you give thanks for a bad situation? (laughs) In everything, isn't that hard? In everything, when the car tire is flat, when, when, when the kids have just messed up their clothes and you were just about to go out the door, in everything, (laughs) give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Um, that, that verse tells everything about what we're supposed to be doing in everything. In everything. When you think about that, you know, we're so happy to give thanks for the good things, for that God woke us up, that he blessed us with, with, with clothes, with shelter, with food. But when last did you give him thanks for something negative happening? Huh? That's a test. That's a test. When last did you thank him? Well, the car broke down. (laughs) Sister Browning. Amen. Amen. See, we say it, but I don't know if we believe it all the time. We say it, but we don't believe it because in everything, in everything, when, when, when someone just got on your last nerve, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, we could have a message just on this one verse because it really is a measuring stick of where we are in obeying God's will because the truth is we don't. Come on now, we don't give thanks for everything. We don't. We start to question God and say, why? But this is what 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. It's not God's will that you're going through trouble, or that you're in a bad situation, or you're in pain, or you're in sickness. But it is still God's will that you give thanks. Right? That you give thanks. This was the reason, or one of the main reasons why the children of Israel did not make it to the promised land because they were unthankful. They were not grateful. Amen? In everything, give thanks. Now, I fall, fall short of that. I have to remind myself to give thanks. The next time some, some, some phone call comes and we look at it, <laughs> and she looks at Sister Brown and looks at it, and I look at it, And we don't know the number, but usually when we don't know the number, that's going to be something. That's going to be something. In everything, we need to to take that phrase and run with it. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Imagine how much more victorious we would be if we actually did that. God would be pleased with us. I I quoted about Job last week of how even when the bad news came, the Bible said that in all of this, Job did kept his integrity. And in fact, he worshipped. He worshipped in the bad news. He said, naked I came, naked I will go, blessed. He did exactly that. He did exactly this. He worshipped in the bad news. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. There is a power in praise. There is a power in worship that goes beyond 
uh, human understanding, right? It's a peace that passes human understanding when you're supposed to be down, when you're supposed to be depressed, when nothing seems to be working out. But if we could get to that place where we, we trust God so much that we still praise Him, we still worship Him, amen. Well, we did faith in action. This week we're going to do um, faith as a weapon. And faith and praise and worship is our weapon. When we put faith in action, that is worship. Amen? That is worship. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with what? Grace in your heart. How do you sing with grace in your heart? What does that mean to sing with grace in your heart? Right? It's, it's with a thanksgiving because it means unmerited favor. So if you're singing with grace, it means you're, you're, you, are, you are aware of what God has given you. Right? That you have been given unmerited favor. Me standing here is God's grace. That's his unmerited favor. The fact that I, (laughs) one of the things I really try and do because I know how much undeserving I am is I always try and remember that and and be willing to, to try and help others whenever I can because it's God's grace that we're here. And so it says in Psalms, in hymns, and in spiritual songs, singing with grace. You know what that tells me? Not every song is spiritual. There's a lot of songs that are not spiritual. There's a lot of worship that probably isn't really worship. It's about show. It's about self. But the Bible tells us here, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Ephesians 5.19 says, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That means you can sing to yourself. You don't have to wait till be in church to sing. The song that always comes to me when I'm by myself is that song, Grace Was Great and Great, sorry, um, at Calvary. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. That song always comes to me when I'm by myself because I think about how good God is. Grace was great and what was it? Or maybe I got the words. That one too, that one too. But the Bible says you don't have to wait till you get to church to sing. Amen. You can sing at any time, just lifting up the name of God in worship. And this is a weapon. This is a weapon. Second Corinthians 10.4 says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not, they're not physical. They're not guns. They're not knives. But there are songs. A song can be a weapon. Amen. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God in the pulling down of, of strongholds. That's why singing is part of our, our, our normal church service. We, we do lots of things, testimonies, teaching, preaching, but certainly worship sets the atmosphere. Amen. And the Bible admonishes us to do it in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. That means with an attitude, uh, not like the publican, when he went up to the temple, but like, sorry, not like the Pharisee, I should say, uh, but like the publican. He said, have mercy upon me, O Lord, a singer. He wouldn't even raise his eyes, right? The Pharisee says, I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not like this publican. <laughs> and, and Jesus was watching both of them, you know. So when we sing, we sing with grace, the Bible tells us. Now, we're going to look at how, how our praise and our worship is a weapon that we can use and that we don't use lots of times. You know what we use a lot of times? Our words to complain and whine. Right? The very first scripture said in everything, and that, is, that, is, that, that probably catches all of us 100% because I know not all of us in 100% of the time give thanks in every situation. But that's what Paul was, was admonishing the church to do in Thessalonians. In everything, give thanks. The Bible says that, that the, the weapons that we have 
which include our faith, includes our worship, are powerful. Casting down imaginations. That means negative thoughts. You can get into a negative spiral. You know, you think, well, you just start thinking of all the bad stuff. And then if this happens, then what am I going to do about this? And then, 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 then this will lead to that. And then what's going to happen next month? And you can get into such a negative spiral of thoughts. That's what your worship is there to do, to cast down those negative imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Your troubles will try and exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Amen? Your troubles and your situation will try and be a God and exalt itself and put itself in a high place that where your focus is, is on your situation all the time. But the Bible tells us that the the weapons that we've been given, our prayers, our faith, our worship, are powerful. And we don't use all of our weapons. You know, we pray sometimes, we sing sometimes, but we don't really use all of our weapons to the fullest. We're going to look in the Old Testament at some examples of this, of how worship and just God's spiritual anointing can be a weapon. And probably one of the most famous ones, of course, is David. David, from a youth, learned to play an instrument. But you don't have to play an instrument. You have your voice. Amen. You can always open your mouth and give God praise. And we find that when Saul was troubled with an evil spirit, the thing that, that, that changed the atmosphere was David's worship on his instrument, his harp. Let's look at that. That's why I said our praise can be a weapon against the devil. It seems so uh, ridiculous in the natural that you can sing and that be a weapon against your situation. But try it. Try it. Samuel chapter 16 verse 14 says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. They could tell. You can just tell when somebody's in an attitude, can't you? <laughs> I don't know if it's their face or just their, the way they stand, like, Leave me alone. Don't come near me. They just put off these vibes, and you don't want to be around them, like, you know? And even Saul's servants could tell there was something about his attitude that had changed because he repeatedly disobeyed God, because he repeatedly went against what God wanted him to do. He attracted negativity. He attracted all these spirits that came to attack him because the spirit of the Lord that had been around him had departed. So the servant said, let your, our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirits from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be well. Now I know you're noticing it says the evil spirit was from God. What it really means is God allowed it. He removed his protection. He removed his protection. If God, the Bible says if he withdraws his breath, we would return to dust. That's all God has to do is say, I'm going to withdraw my, my breath from you. We return to dust. Um, so we see that because God withdrew his Holy Spirit, that allowed evil spirits to be attracted to Saul's negative attitude and to his disobedience. And even his servants realized this. So what was the solution? Let's, let's get someone who can sing and play some worship music. Amen. Some spiritual weapons that, uh, that can change the atmosphere. When we sing praises to God, it changes the atmosphere. You know, if you're going out in the woods where there's a lot of mosquitoes and a lot of water, you know what it's wise to do? You take a spray can of off with you. <laughs> Before you go out there and you start to spray it all around. You change the atmosphere. That's what praise and worship will do. It will change the atmosphere. It may not change the mosquitoes and it won't change that you're in the middle of the wood. It's not going to change that, but it changed the atmosphere around you. Amen? It changes the atmosphere around you. So in verse 23, And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took an harp 
and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. I'm telling you, when we have a, a great service of worship, it changes your your demeanor, it changes your outlook when you have worship, when you have lifted, even if you weren't feeling like it. I'm sure many of you came here today feeling tired, feeling maybe a bit blah, you know. But I'm telling you, when you get into worship, when you start to say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I will worship, I will change my attitude, you will leave here different than the way you came. So we see in this case that the, the music Spiritual music and worship was a weapon against the spirits that were troubling Saul. Every time David played, there was a change. Every time David took up his harp and started to play. And I, I, I've really done this myself. You know, when I was a teenager and I had learned to play and I'd come home from school and I was feeling really down and depressed, I'd go to the piano and I'd start playing and it would sound like funeral music. It would be like slow dirge. But after a while, my spirit would start to change and I'd start to play. And you could tell from the music I was playing how I was feeling. And then when I finished, I got up and I would go, ah, feel so much better. You know, you come to church and I guarantee you today, when we close today, when we finish today, if you have had an open heart, there is no way that the Spirit of God is not going to touch your heart to leave you refreshed, to leave you up. Amen. This is spiritual off we're spraying when we worship God. When we lift our hands and we start thanking God and start praising him, that is changing the atmosphere. It's not changing the wood. It's not changing the, the fact we're out in a, in a terrible place. But you can change your surroundings. I want to change my surroundings. Amen. Amen. I want people to know that I have joy. The Bible says with joy you shall draw off water, right? As I've said so many times, us Christians, we should be some of the happiest people. But you know the reason why we're not? It's because we don't trust. Truthfully, we don't really put that scripture in everything. Give thanks. And I'm guilty of it too, you know? The tire, tire light comes on and it's flat. And I just fill that thing up with air. That means it's got a leak, right? And, and when was the last? I gave thanks for that. Lord, thank you. I don't know why you did that, but thank you anyway. Amen. Maybe it's going to drive a certain way where I'll miss something that I could have hit. Amen. We don't understand how God works things out on our behalf. All we're asked to do is to thank him, to lift up his name, to praise him. Because in this instance, in the Old Testament, we see that the music and the worship was a weapon against the evil spirits. They don't like God being praised. They don't want anything that, that acknowledges our creator. Amen. So it says David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. Amen. There, there are so many scriptures in the Old Testament and New Testament about praise and worship. And I'm just going to give a few. I couldn't put all of them in here. We couldn't go through all of them today because it'd be too much. But look at this. Psalms 149.1. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Amen. Now we, we probably spend about 45 minutes, sometimes more, in our service just singing. And you know what? That is great. That is wonderful. Amen. Because we are giving thanks we're lifting up the name of Jesus. It says, sing a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. When Jesus walked in on Palm Sundays, that's what they did. They started to say, Hosanna. Blessed is he cometh in the name of the Lord. They, they worshiped. Amen. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. People may criticize why we let the children run around here. They're praising him in the dance. Amen. David didn't care about the fact he was a king. He was going to worship and he was going to do what needed to give God thanks. His wife said, why are you carrying on like that and you're the king? He said, listen, God made me the king long time before I was king and I'm going to worship him, right? He didn't care. Amen. 
Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and the harp. Amen. And so that's why we, we spend so much time in worship. Because it changes the atmosphere. Verse 4 says, For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud, even upon your bed. Have you sung in bed before? (laughs) Amen. Have you sang in bed? Amen. Verse 6, let the high praises. I told you that it's a weapon. Look what this verse says. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a tar two-edged sword in their hand. I told you your praise, your high praise is a weapon. We're going to look in detail because there are seven words in the Old Testament that refer to different kind of praise. We're not going to go through all seven because we, we won't have time, but I want to go through about maybe three of them that I've talked about before. And of course, we all know the one that's the, called the halal or the halal, which is where we get hallelujah from, right? And it's, it's, it's um, in the Hebrew, it's from the primary word halal, which means a high praise. Amen. And it's in so many verses. I've put some of the, the, the verses in there. Hallelujah. It means to praise, lift up Yah. Amen. When we say hallelujah, we are worshiping and we're acknowledging God. Amen. Amen. And then Psalms 150 verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. That's a hallel. Praise, amen. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. You know, there's going to be a trumpet blown one of these days. Bible says in Thessalonians, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the trump of God. There's going to be a trumpet praise that means come on up. Amen. There's going to be a a trumpet blast that signals a great change. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the string instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything, let everything, no exceptions, that hath breath, praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. So the halal is to be clear, to shine, to flash forth light, to boast, to be clamorously foolish in your praise, to look stupid in your praise, to look nuts in your praise. That's a, that's a no holds barred praise. That's what it's speaking about, the halal, the, the high praise, to boast. My God is the biggest God there is. <laughs> My father is bigger than your father. <laughs> Because he's God most high. He's El Elyon. He's El Shaddai. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Tisikenya. He's Jehovah, uh, my, the banner over me is love. He's got all these titles. When you do that, you're offering God a high praise. And you just, you, that's, a, you know, that's a form of prayer that is, that to me is one of the greatest forms of prayer. is just to be thankful. I've said so many times, what could Adam and Eve have prayed about? Well, they couldn't have been asking for anything. They had everything. The only thing they could have said was, Lord, you have done it again. Look at this place. This place is so beautiful, Lord. All we can do is worship you and thank you again. You know, and I'm sure that when Adam saw Eve, that's all he could say. <laughs> Bless be the work of your hands. <laughs> what we are called to do is in everything, give thanks. Amen. There is that praise. And you see, the the secret of David was this. He was always thankful. He was always willing to give God praise, even at the worst situations. We read about the the time when the, um, the, the Assyrians, I believe, or the band came and they took away all their wives and children. And, and no, everybody was angry at David. They blamed him. There was no one to say, never mind, David. The Bible said he encouraged himself. He probably started writing one of them psalms. I will bless the Lord at all times. (laughs) Isn't that something? 
That's why God called him a man after his own heart. The secret and the message for today in this lesson is in everything. If there's anything you remember from today, in everything. I'm going to try and remember that this week, in everything. Especially when it's something negative. I'm going to say, just like Job, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, and I look at my schedule for last week and this week, and then I thought we'd get a little bit of a rest this week. Uh, my wife said, well, no, this, this person is going to be doing this, and they want you to do this. And uh, <laughs> my flesh wants to go, man. <laughs> but I'm being convicted as I'm teaching you right now. <laughs> I need to say in everything, Lord, you're going to work this out. You're going to give supernatural strength. You're going to work this out. Amen. And if we will do that, I guarantee you, you will have miracles. You will have miracles. Because you know what it does? It removes the, the, the mosquitoes, the spirits of negativity, and it invites the pleasant presence of the Lord. Right? You don't have to go seeking God. He will seek you. Isn't that what the scripture says? He seeketh true worshipers. God will come looking for you when you start to worship. That sound of worship, that sound of reverence and honor and giving him praise attracts the presence of the Lord. Amen. Here's what David wrote in Psalm 63. When he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. This is what's called a yada praise. And this is to worship with extended hands. When we lift our hands, Amen. It signifies deep surrender to God and the heart that desires to pay tribute to him. That's what this is. When we do that, the, the, in Hebrew, that's called a yada praise. The other one is called um, um, a halal. When we just go crazy, when we dance, when we sing, that's a halal praise. A yada praise is when you, you lift your hands and surrender. I worship you. I thank you, Lord. This is what David did in Psalm 63, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. He was in the wilderness of Judah running from Saul. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. He was still worshiping even though he was in a desert. Why? Because he was in a desert that's named praise. He was in a desert in the land of Judah. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Most of our prayer should not be a shopping list. <laughs> you know, most of the times when we're praying, 90% of it is things we want God to do. But imagine if 90% of the time we were just praising him. Because he already knows what we need. Isn't that what the scripture says? So we're not really informing him of anything. It's a really bad parent who doesn't know when their child needs new shoes. Right? They're not really watching. And I know that the Bible says the God we serve neither slumbers nor sleeps. He knows when we need some new shoes. He knows when we need food. He knows what our situation is. So we don't have to tell him a million times. All we have to do is to start worshiping. There's a power in praise. There is a power in praise. Here is David and he is worshiping even though he's in a desert. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. That's a yada praise. He's surrendering to his situation. I'm in a bad place, but I'm surrendering to you, God. This is your, this is your uh, time to show up. I'm surrendering to you. I give it all to you. And then we have what's called the Shabbat praise. To speak highly of, to address in a, in a loud voice, to command triumph, glory, and to shout. When Israel was about to storm the enemy, that's what they would do. Around Jericho, that's what they did, a Shabbat praise. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what they shouted, but you know what I think it is? It was probably the name of the Lord. The Bible tells us they were to go around Jericho and then they were to give a Shabbat praise. Because victory is on the horizon. Deliverance is about to happen. 
When you give a Shabbat praise, that's really putting faith in God's done work before you even see it. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord, ye nations. Praise him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great towards us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. It's, it's, to, it's, to, it's to tell the devil in his face. <laughs> to give God a Shabbat praise. You're not getting me, Satan, because I belong to the King of Kings. Hallelujah. Amen. It says to address in a loud tone. Not quietly. A loud tone. In triumph, a glorious shout. Your walls of Jericho will come down. You give a Shabbat. You know they had to do that before it fell. Before it fell, they had to do it. Not after it fell. You know, we come to church and we, we, and it's good to give God thanks for what he's already done. But imagine you came in and gave a pre-testimony. A pre-testimony. Well, I'm thanking God for the job he's going to give me. And I'm worshiping now. I'm going to give a Shabbat praise uh, for the job he's going to do. That's what we need to do. That shows faith. That's a Shabbat praise is to, is, to, is to shout before the wall come down. Because it's easy to shout after the walls come down. Anybody can do that. But when you do it before, it's to put it in Satan's face. Amen. You're not going to be victorious in this because the Lord is going to fight for me. Amen. I'm not going to go through all of them, but there's the Barak praise, the Yada praise, the Toda praise, the Shabbat praise, the Halal, the Zamar, and the Tahila praise. I'm, maybe on a Bible study night I'll go through some of those, but we're only going to go through three tonight, today. But even the, just those three are powerful. Amen are powerful. When we want to give God praise, all we have to do, there, there are weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Remember what the Bible says, the word is nigh thee in thy mouth. We need to be in Satan's face sometimes and say, listen, you're not getting me. Right? We submit to God and then we can resist the devil. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. I told you that your praise can be a weapon. Hallelujah. But you know, the only weapon sometimes we use is it's good to use the Bible, the Word of God, the promises of God. It's good to pray. But sometimes you can just praise and thank him before it happens. That's what Jesus did before he raised Lazarus. Isn't it? He said, I thank you, O Lord, because I know you always hear me, Father. I know you always hear me. And I know what's going to happen. I only did this so the people could see. He started thanking before the resurrection. I thank you for, I know you're going to do this. Imagine if we tried that. Imagine if we started to thank God and do some of these praises, the halal praise and the, the yada praise and the shabak praise and all of the, the tahila praise. That tahila praise is the one that the Jews still do in some of their uh, ceremonies. It's to, do with the, it's to do with the phylactery that they put on their hands and the, the word of the Lord on their head, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. Amen. Let's look at some more of these weapons and how we can use them. In Psalms, one minute here, I'm going backwards. I don't want to go backwards. We're going to go forwards. Psalms 147, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant and praise is calmly. That means it is right. It is appropriate. There is no bad time to worship God. There is no wrong time to worship God. In the New Testament, we see the same thing. Romans 15, 9. Paul's in his epistle to the Romans, he says, and that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, for this cause I will confess thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Sing unto thy name. Verse 10, and again he saith, rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. Come on, let's give God a wave offering right now. Let's give him a Shabbat praise. Amen. Hallelujah. See, this is what the weapon we have to, to pull out sometimes is just praise. Just thanking God in everything. That's hard. 
That is really hard in everything. I'm sure most of you are going through some things, facing some crisis. Can you thank God and say, God, I don't understand what's happening. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, but, ne- but nevertheless, I'm going to thank you. I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. See, when we do that, we are, we are changing the atmosphere. Changing the atmosphere. Now, I don't know exactly why it took 50 days except in God's plan for the Holy Ghost to be given. But maybe they had to change the atmosphere. Maybe they had to get into a spirit of one accord. Maybe at first there was a lot of them. Maybe there was 500. Peter says that over 500 people saw the risen Christ. So I just imagine that the first few days there was about 500 people there, but they were not in the atmosphere. Maybe some of them were just waiting to see what was going to happen. Let's see what's going to happen at church today. They didn't come with the atmosphere to be part of the happening. They just wanted to see the happening. But you need to bring your Holy Ghost with you. You got to have your own oil in your own vessel. Because I'm not sharing mine. (laughs) I barely have enough for me. That's the parable, right? You got to be in the wise group. You got to have your own oil in the lamp and in the vessel. Because there's going to be no sharing of Holy Ghost. The only one who can share the Holy Ghost is Jesus. I can't share my Holy Ghost to you. And you can't share yours to me. I have to do it myself. Own salvation. So we have to bring our praise with us. And that's why you can have several people come to the same service. And if you were to ask them over, uh, about the service, one said, man, that was dry and nothing was going on and it was terrible. And someone else will say, man, that was just an awesome service. The Spirit of the Lord, you know why? Because they had the oil in the vessel. Amen. They were plugged in. They came with an attitude of praise. So I just believe that when Jesus left, the first few days, there was probably 500 people. Peter says that he was seen by more than 500 people. So I believe there was as much as 500 people in that upper room to start with. But some of them had just come to see what was going on. They didn't really come with an atmosphere of praise. They were just going to see if something else was going to happen. And after about 20 days, they started to drift away. Until finally there was only 120. But those 120 were in an atmosphere of praise and expectation and most of all, faith. If I tell you, go wait for me, how many days are you going to wait for me? (laughs) He didn't tell them 50 days. He just said, go wait. That means he could have. He could have told them that, but he wanted to see who was going to be obedient and totally trusted him. And that is so hard. If you're an impatient person like me, waiting is the hardest thing, right? You want something to happen. You want to make stuff happen. That's what happened to Abraham. God told him he's going to give him a son. And he waited 15 years and thought, that's long enough. (laughs) That's long enough. I've waited 15 years now, God. So, yeah, let's do something about maybe God will bless, bless what we're doing. Instead of us giving God blessing for what he's doing right? But 15 years in this case was not God's plan. And so, you know, the story ended up with Ishmael. It was 25 years he really had to wait because God always does things in his timing, not in our timing. In the New Testament, it always speaks about when the fullness of time was come. On the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. See, I believe that some of those hundreds of people wouldn't wait. They weren't obedient. They didn't trust. And there had to be a right atmosphere of worship. I don't believe they were just standing there doing nothing. I believe there was an atmosphere of praise, of worship. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. When we come to church with an expectation, something will happen. There are 15 psalms in the compendium of the book of Psalms that are called the Songs of Ascent. And they were worship songs. About four of them were written by David. Um, Some of them were written, one was written by Solomon, but they were used specifically for worship on certain days. 
They were used on what's called the Pilgrim Festivals. The Pilgrim Festivals. That's, that's a new name I'm giving for something I've t- taught you before. So let's see if you, if you, if you catch on. They were, there were three Pilgrim Festivals. Anyone can name what the festivals were? Pentecost was one. Passover. Tabernacles. They were called pilgrim festivals because on those three out of the seven, God commanded all of the males to come to Jerusalem. Why? To bring an offering and there was worship. So these 15 psalms were specifically sung on those three days, on those three festivals. We're going to look at that a little bit later. Hebrews 2.12 says, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Amen. 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 You, can, you, can, you can sing praise unto God at any time. I will sing unto the Lord. Psalms 104 verse 33. As long as I live, I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. No wonder David got more mercy than Saul. Because David was always in an attitude of praise, of giving God glory. Saul, on the other hand, said, give me glory. Honor me before the people. Don't make me look bad, Samuel. I was waiting around for you and you took longer than you said. So now don't, 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 don't embarrass me in front of the people. Give me honor. David, on the other hand, he would strip off his kingly robes and dance among the people. He didn't care because worship to God was greater than his image. Worship to God was greater than his image. Amen. And when God sees that, the Bible says that it is a sweet savor. Verse 34, my meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Shall I tell you the best time to worship and to praise God is when you don't need anything. I try and make a conscious choice sometimes when I, when I don't really have a pressing need to ask just to, just to thank him because I don't want to always be, just be asking for stuff. <laughs> you know your children? <laughs> Them, those children? Even now, I shouldn't say this. <laughs> get in trouble. <laughs> Don't know if my daughter's watching. <laughs> she texts me this morning. She said, Daddy, <laughs> you know when it starts like that? <laughs> Don't you think you ought to buy me lunch? <laughs> Don't you think you ought to buy me lunch today? I love you. <laughs> oh boy. So, so daddy, daddy did send her said her some lunch. You see, when we come to God with a humble attitude, he's not going to turn us away. Jesus taught us the same thing. He didn't say daddy, but he said, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed, praise be your name, giving him glory, thy kingdom come. It's about him, not about us. Amen. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Amen. I want to be as close to God as is possible. And we do that by entering his gates with praise. Thanksgiving with praise. Amen. Amen. Let's look at some more Psalms. I'm going to go into a little bit deeper about how praise is a weapon, but I want to just go through a few more Psalms here. Psalms 150 verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his, according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him on the loud cymbals. All of these Psalms are mostly about worship. Amen. Now, let's go and see the, probably the greatest example how praise and worship is a weapon. King Jehoshaphat was told that the army of the, uh, I think it was the Syrians were coming. Let's just read it. Second Chronicles 20 verse 1. And it came to pass after this also the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. A huge army. Three different nations come to attack Israel. 
Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea of this side, Syria, and behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is En Gedi. He's been told that there's probably four different nations sending huge armies against Israel. Much more. They're, they're, they're so outnumbered that it's, it's laughable. Now, he could have just been in despair, but let's read on what it says. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. See, when you know who your God is, you know what to do. When you see trouble, you know what to do. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? You know what he's doing? He's magnifying God. And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art thou not our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of the land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? And they dwell therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, if when evil cometh upon us. You know what he's doing? Anyone know what he's doing? You know what he's doing? Remember now, the temple has been built. This is in the time well after Solomon. But do you know what Jehoshaphat is doing here? What is he pointing out to God? He's pointing out the promise that God gave to Solomon when Solomon dedicated the temple. Right? Solomon prayed this great prayer and then God answered him in 2 Chronicles uh, 7.14 or 14.7 I should say. If my people that are called by my name. This is what he's doing. He's come to the temple and he's praying. He's holding up his hands and he's reminding God of his promise in 2 Chronicles. You said, if when evil cometh upon us as the sword of judgment or pestilence or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house. Put your hand on your heart. Your, your name is in this house. Knowing not that you are the temple of the living God. For thy name is in this house. And cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. What he's doing, he's, he's calling on God to remember what he told Solomon. That if my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. So he called a fast. They humbled themselves and they came to seek his face. Now, Instead of sending out the army, you probably know what happened. Oh, our God, will thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon you. See? The Bible says in the New Testament, he's the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto who? Jesus. That's how it starts. Looking unto Jesus. He says, our eyes are upon you. We're not going to look at the 300,000 that's coming. Because if we look at them, we may start to get fearful. Our eyes are upon you. This is the key. Not to look at your situation, but to look upon Jesus. But our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asap, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, 
and he inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid, nor dismayed, by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. You know, most of the time, the situations we are facing, we can't fix it anyway. It's beyond our capability, our resources. What we have to do is remember Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, that that's what he did. He called a fast to humble the people and they came and they responded and they came and God spoke back and said, listen, I, I, I remember my promise to Solomon and I'm going to fulfill it. Don't worry about this. This battle is not yours, but God's. It goes on to say, verse 17, he shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. See, he worshipped. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem worshipped. This is why it is a weapon. When we truly come to God and just worship and thank him. And the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice. They did a Shabbat. Verse 21, And when they had consulted with the people, he appointed singers. He didn't get the army together. He appointed the praise team. Now, this was, this was so weird. This was so, like, ridiculous. This made no sense. There's an army of 300,000 coming, and you're doing what? You're sending out the choir. <laughs> You're doing what? This has never been done before. Are you crazy? What are you thinking? This makes no sense. You're, you're, you're sending out the singers to face this army? And when he had consulted the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And that's all they had to do. You know how the, how the story is going to end when you worship God in the beauty of holiness. You know how the story is going to end. And when they began to sing, 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 and when they began to praise, and when they began to praise, and when they began to worship, it says the Lord, not Israel or Judah, the Lord set ambushes against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. And they were smitten. I told you, praise is a weapon. We need to try that sometime. Just start worshiping God in our situation. Now, I told you before that 15 of the Psalms are some special praise Psalms that they sang on those three festival uh, days on the three of the seven moeds or appointments, right? And the first one, of course, is Passover. And on Passover and on Pentecost and on um, Tabernacles, there would be a special procession of the priests. The temple was set upon a hill, Mount Zion, right? And so they, the, these particular psalms were called Songs of Ascent, because it was about going up. And I'm pointing these out to you because they say that there were 15 uh, levels or steps going up to the temple, and they would sing one of these on each one. You can look these up. It's from Psalms 120 to 134. Um, Psalms 121 I just picked that one because it's my favorite one. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. Whence cometh my help? My help 
cometh from the Lord. It doesn't come from the high places. It comes from the Lord, which maketh heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. They would sing these songs as they went up in worship up to the temple. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. I want you to say that the Lord is my keeper. See, David said that before. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in. From this time forth, even forevermore. See, Israel knew how to worship. When they were doing the right thing, they did it with all their hearts. And we can see that even on the night of his arrest, the first thing they did, the 12 apostles and Jesus, was that they worshiped. I want to show you that. You may not realize that, but they sang a hymn. Matthew twenty six thirty, And when they had sung a hymn, They went out to the Mount of Olives. After the communion was finished, they started to have some worship. It's written also, the same thing in in, in Mark 14, 26. Before he went out to face what's called the Passion, his arrest and crucifixion, there there was a little song service amongst the disciples. Isn't that awesome? I'm coming to an end and we will open it up for discussion. But even in heaven... There's going to be a, some, some worship. Did you know that? In the book of Revelation, it talks about the saints singing the song of Moses. Now, if you look in the Old Testament, Moses wrote about three or four songs. The first song he wrote was when they had crossed over the Red Sea and God had destroyed uh, the, the, the army of Pharaoh. This is the song that the Bible says we're going to sing in heaven. When we have crossed over... And God has destroyed all our enemies. Read it, Revelation 15, 2. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. If you haven't learned to play, don't worry. God's going to teach you. If you haven't learned to play, don't worry. He, he's going to have a, a personalized harp for you. Uh, someone asked me to come with them this week because they wanted to buy an instrument. And so I went with them to help them choose the instrument. So I was in the guitar shop looking. And, of course, they have all kinds of prices in there uh, of these exquisite instruments. Some of them thousands of dollars. In fact, most of them were thousands of dollars. The cheapest one was probably about $300. I was looking at them. And some of them are like four or five thousand dollars for one one guitar, and I was thinking about, wow, God, you're just going to give us, you know, they have they have brand names, and the brand names is what makes it so expensive because if it's a Gibson, then it's going to be three four thousand dollars, or a Martin or a Taylor. Those are specific brand names that are worth thousands of dollars because they're of custom made. But you know what you're going to get? You're going to get a custom-made harp that is priceless. And now the best part is you're going to know how to play it even without being taught. It says they sang the song of Moses. First of all, stand on the sea having the harps of God. Instead of Gibson, it's going to have Jesus' name made by Jesus. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works. Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of the saints. You understand that worship is our weapon. It's going to be the song we sing when we get to heaven too, when we have made it over. Amen. If you could stand with me at this time, we're going to close this session. I hope you have been blessed. We're going to open it up for some discussion after this. I'm sorry, I get emotional when I talk about the Word of God. 
because I see the reality of what God is doing and the power that is there if we would only avail ourselves of it. Amen. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Let it find good soil. Hallelujah. Help us, O God, to understand the weapons that you have given us and that in everything we are to give thanks. Hallelujah. Lord, we ask you, Lord God, to continue to bless us. Lord, let our second service, Lord, let your atmosphere of of liberty and of praise and of worship ascend to your throne. Lord, we just thank you for your blessings. Hallelujah. And for your spirit. In Jesus' name, let's give God a praise offering.